everyone, and welcome to the All It Takes the Goal podcast, the best place in the entire world, including all of Canada, to learn how to build new thoughts, new actions, and new results. I'm your host, John Acuff, and today I'm going to teach you four tools that you need to add to your bravery toolbox. But first, let's hear a quick word from the sponsor of today's episode. Every year, I set crazy big goals, and every year, there's one productivity tool that I use to help me reach them, the Finish Calendar. I've been using it for over a decade, and it's helped me crush goals like running a thousand miles in a year, growing my business, and writing a New York Times bestselling book. Thousands of people have bought them over the years too. Why? Because it works. It's not magic, it's science. Study after study has shown how important tracking your year is. But my favorite came from the University of Kostanz in Germany. They showed that when you track when and where you're going to work on something, you double your chances of success. Let me say that again, you double your chances of success. This calendar is massive, it's beautiful, it's motivational, and it comes in paper or dry erase. On top of all the other amazing features, you can choose to display it vertically or horizontally because this bad boy is also double-sided. If you've got a big goal or a lot of big goals, grab a finished calendar today at finishcalendar.com. Once again, that's finishcalendar.com. All right, so let's jump right into today's episode. This is the second part of a three-part series I'm doing on bravery. If you haven't heard last week's episode, definitely go back and listen to that one. I think you'll love it. We talked about the three keys you need to master bravery. But if you haven't heard it yet, like if right now you're like, oh, great, I saw part two, I didn't catch part one, I'm going to be so lost. No, 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 don't sweat it. This isn't like jumping into the second season of the show Lost, and you're like, why is there a polar bear on this, this island? This doesn't make any sense. Who are the others? No, 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 no. These are standalone episodes that fit together too. I think of it like a long sub. Like if you went to a party and somebody had ordered like, we got a 10 foot long sub and you ate the middle of it, you wouldn't be like, I didn't understand the sandwich. There were other parts. No, no, no. It's one long thing chopped up in three little episodes. Think of it like a fantastic sub. The other day, um, my youngest daughter, somebody told her that sub was based off of submarine because the sandwiches look like submarines and she had never heard that because I am apparently a terrible parent and that blew her mind. That's a slight distraction involving sandwiches. So speaking of kids, we recently moved my oldest daughter, Ellie, into college. Before she went, we put together some Ikea bookshelves. Have you ever tried to put together something from Ikea without any tools? Imagine you opened up the, the box of the uh, Luxburg or the Klugtorn and they forgot to give you any tools. Like it would be impossible to put together that Swedish bit of furniture without any tools because your hand isn't a hammer. Your finger is a pretty terrible screwdriver. Your elbow isn't an Allen wrench. You need tools. Tools make every task easier. And that's true of bravery too. That's why today we're going to talk about four tools you need in your bravery toolbox. Now, let me say right out of the gate that there are more than four tools. There are probably 400. When it comes to bravery, I don't want some little toolbox, like a tiny little toolbox, like a lunchbox. By the way, in Atlanta, we live near somebody and their dog was named Lunchbox. And it was such a perfect name for this little squat, little compact dog. Like, is there a better dog name than Lunchbox? I submit no. 
but I don't want a lunchbox size toolbox for my my bravery. I, I want one of those massive, like eight foot tall, dozens of drawers toolbox you see the auto mechanics have. I spoke to the owner of a big auto repair shop the other day, and he said he has three technicians who make $175,000 a year. I asked him why they make that much, and he said because cars have gotten so complicated. The Mercedes S-Class, for instance, has 200 computer systems in it. Each window has its own computer, so the technicians have to be experts because of how complex things have become. They have to have a lot of tools, and I would argue that the world is pretty complex right now too, isn't it? I mean, I think we need lots of tools in our bravery toolbox. So I'm going to share the four that have helped me the most today, but my real goal is to inspire you to think about the ones that have helped you and to get you to start gathering more. Like I want you to start collecting them for the road ahead. So here are the four tools we're gonna talk about today. Tool number one, people. Tool number two, reps. Tool number three, truth. And tool number four, boundaries. That's where we're headed today. We're gonna discuss those four things in the context of bravery, in the context of being brave. So let's jump right into the first one, people. Here's what you need to know about bravery. Bravery is a team sport. It's a lot easier to be brave when you're not doing it alone. It's a lot easier to do difficult things when you're not isolated. It's a lot easier to get back up when someone is offering you a hand. We know that. We, we do. We've seen that in our own lives again and again. But there's an interesting thing that happens when it comes to bravery and community. Here's, here's what happens. When a friend tells me something they're afraid of, a challenge they're intimidated by, a mistake they made, a weakness that's just kicking their butt. Do you know what I think about that friend? Here's what I think. Wow, he is so brave. That's, that's the first thought I have. Wow, he is so brave. When someone is vulnerable with me, I respect them more. I see that for the strength it really is. Do you know what I think though when I realize I need help from someone else? When I'm on the edge of sharing something vulnerable, I think, don't do it. They're going to think you're weak. Have you ever felt that way? When a friend shares a weakness, we think she's strong. When we share a weakness, we think we're weak. It's such a broken logic, but it trips me up constantly. So I want you to write down a few simple soundtracks around this idea. Here's what I want you to think about. Friends can only help you when they know you need help. Like that should be on a post-it note next to your laptop. Friends can only help you when they know you need help. Or or maybe a different version is, friends can only encourage you when they know you're discouraged. Friends can be an incredible tool in a bravery toolbox, but we first have to be brave enough to admit we need them. When you do, something amazing happens. You discover new solutions to problems. You discover new opportunities and new abilities. That's what friends help you see. I remember one afternoon, when I rattled off like a dozen fears to a friend about a book I was working on. The project was just wrecking me. I was really stuck and I was having such a hard time with it. And he seemed confused at how frozen I was. And he asked the only thing he knew to ask a writer. He said, so um, are, you, are you out of words? Like he couldn't think of another reason that justified all my fear. And he said the question like he was asking a farmer if all his cows had died. I still laugh when I remember how serious and somber he got when he paused because he kind of whispered it. He was like, are you out of words? Like you ran out, you don't have any more words left? Your, Your word bank is empty? All he did was ask me one question and it helped me break through the clutter of so much fear. 
If you want to be brave, surround yourself with brave people. That's it. If you want to be brave, surround yourself with brave people. It won't be everyone. It might be a short list, but you need people. So there's the question. First question of the day, who can you be brave with? Who can you be brave with? Later today, write down a few names. Again, it won't be 100 people. It might be someone in your neighborhood, a spouse, a coworker. Think through your relationships and come up with at least one answer to that question. That's the first tool, people. The second tool you need to add to your bravery toolbox is reps. Reps, in case you're not a huge weightlifter like me, um, is short for repetitions. And I am clearly joking about being a weightlifter. I think I've told you guys this before. I did all these jokes about being really tall on a video series once, and they showed it to a focus group. And the focus group feedback came back and said, he's so cocky about his height. And they didn't know I was joking. And so I, now I'm like a little trigger shy about that. We've touched on this a little bit last week when we talked about practice. I practice bravery. And the reason that reps are a good tool is that there are two types of bravery. There's strategic and there's situational. Strategic and situational. Strategic bravery is when you plan moments to be brave. Situational bravery is when unexpected moments require you to be brave. Let's say you have a salary negotiation coming up next Thursday. Like you've got a salary negotiation coming up with your boss and you need to be brave. That's strategic bravery. You can plan ahead on how to increase your bravery in that moment. If, on the other hand, your boss calls you into her office unexpectedly at the end of the day and says, hey, I need to know if you're ready and able to handle this project, that's situational bravery. It, it caught you off guard. You have to react to the moment. Reps help you with both types. For example, I don't hope I'm brave on stage as a public speaker. I don't hope that. I know I'm going to be because by the time I give a new speech on stage, it's the 11th or 12th time I've given it. Long before I grab the mic and stand in front of other people, I'm working on that speech all alone in my office. And when I say working on, I mean giving the entire speech out loud, walking around like I would on stage if there were a thousand people in my office. By the time I get on stage, it's muscle memory more than anything. Athletes do that all the time, by the way. Coutinho Mobley, um, who's a former NBA player, he's got a really big Instagram account that I follow that's really interesting. He told a group of college students that you should never leave the gym after practice until you've hit 200 free throws. That's, that's reps. Let's say he does that five times a week. That's 1,000 made free throws. By the time he's in a game and he steps to the line, fear might tell him, you're going to miss this. You're going to miss this. But he's going to be brave because that's his 1,000th and one free throw that week. I, I heard somebody write that in a book recently. The book was called uh, Chop Wood, Carry Water. And they said, you don't get to choose whether you'll never be comfortable or uncomfortable. It said like, you're going to be uncomfortable in life. Like you don't have a choice over that. You get to choose where, meaning you can choose to be uncomfortable in training or in the spotlight. And it was very clear that of the two, you want to be comfortable in the spotlight and uncomfortable in the training. So let's go back to that salary negotiation example. How could you get reps in that situation? Well, here are a few ways. Number one, make a list of all the reasons you deserve the raise. Get as specific as possible. Number two, say those reasons out loud a few times. You want to get familiar with those sentences. You don't want the first time those sentences are being said, like the first time they're coming out of your mouth to be when you're sitting in your boss's office and the pressure is on. Number three, write a list of the questions your boss might ask. You won't be able to predict every single one, 
But I guess I, I bet with a little thought, you could predict 70% of them. Number four, practice being quiet and letting sentences sit there. Often in moments like that, the person who talks the most is nervous and is just trying to fill the silence. So say your sentences and then sit still for 60 seconds. Practice the tension. If you do those four things and others, you'll be a lot better prepared to be brave than you would if you just decided to wing it. That's strategic bravery. But reps also help with situational because you're training yourself to handle surprising moments. For instance, the other day a client said, hey, would you be willing to jump on a video call with a thousand people and share a 10 minute idea? That caught me completely off guard. I couldn't really plan for that because it was unexpected, but I was able to be brave in that moment because I'd put in so many reps and so over so many years practicing speeches. I could handle that situation. You've got to put in reps. So that's my question for you. What's a rep you can do this week? How can you get a few reps in before your next bravery moment? It might feel silly. I know, of course, of course it will. Often getting better feels silly. It's silly when I'm in my office doing reps and I pause for laughter in the middle of a speech because no one is actually in the office with me. But those reps help me pause on stage when I'm under a lot more pressure. Reps are a tool you need to add. The third tool is truth. My oldest daughter, Ellie, almost didn't make the high school marching band her freshman year. She played trumpet in middle school, but the Franklin High Band was a completely different animal. They practiced 25 hours a week, competed in national tournaments, and functioned like a military machine. They were so organized. And the reason Ellie almost didn't get a dot, which means a place in the marching band, like for that year's show, was because of Alaska. Our family took an Alaskan cruise one summer. It was with Sandy Patty. I won the ping pong tournament, obviously. Well, Ellie was on that cruise, and she missed band camp. And if you've ever done high school band camp, like if you've, if you've ever done it, you know how intense it is. If you haven't, you probably think it's this really fun getaway where a bunch of band nerds go to the beach and become a family, if only. Band camp is 12-hour days, constant moving, and learning that season's new show. Now, Ellie didn't get to do any of that because she missed the entire thing. When she came back and she tried to jump into band practice, she was lost. She felt like she was the only trumpet player who didn't know the steps, didn't know the music, and didn't know if she'd even make the cut. Everyone around her had a head start, and it was hard to catch up, but it wasn't impossible. She put in the work, and by the end of the summer, she was exactly where she needed to be. She got a dot, and she made the team. Do you know what fear will never remind her of? That moment. Fear will never call to mind the time she made the band. It will never remind her of the group project she got an A on. It will never remind her of the difficult conversation she had with a friend that ended up working out. Broken soundtracks and fear don't remind you of your accomplishments. If anything, they they do just the opposite. They trot out one of the most toxic absolute words ever, which is never. You've never faced the test this hard. You've never achieved anything. You've never done anything difficult. You see, fear erases past success and promises future failures. The way we defeat that is by using the truth. We have to tell ourselves true things. The easiest way to do that is to create a hard list. What's that? It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a list of hard things you've achieved. For example, you could write down, I planned our wedding or I got a promotion at my last job, or I lost 30 pounds, or I paid off one of my most challenging credit cards. I set boundaries with my parents. I had kids. I fixed my own fridge instead of hiring someone. Now, someone Ellie's age, she's a 19-year-old teenager, could say, 
I made the high school marching band. I got the role I wanted in the play. I made a new friend on the first day of school. I arrived at school on time today. The manager at my grocery store job said I did a good job mopping the floors. I didn't have an argument with my little brother for an entire road trip. I won the Frisbee distance toss in the fourth grade. Wait, wait, wait. The fourth grade? Isn't that a long time ago? Does that count? Of course it does. It all counts. Fear doesn't have a time limit of what it'll remind you of. So why should we have a time limit of the truth we remind ourselves of? Fear doesn't fight fair and neither will we. The next time you do something brave, it could be really big or incredibly small. I want you to take out a note on your phone or a page in your journal and write hard list on the top. Two words, hard list. And then I want you to write down what it was you did. Why do we write it down? Because you're going to forget you're going to. My youngest daughter forgot that she conquered a really difficult class freshman year. So sophomore year, I had to remind her of that. When she was struggling with something else sophomore year, I had to remind her, no, 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 no. You do hard things. You're great at hard classes, remember? She had just forgotten that. Gather evidence that reminds you how capable you really are. I always like to say fear comes free. Hope takes work. You'll never have to go look for fear. It will find you. Hope and truth you have to look for. You've got to gather some evidence. That's why the third tool is truth. The fourth and final tool is boundaries. Dr. John Townsend and Dr. Henry Cloud wrote an amazing book on this topic a few years ago called Boundaries. What's a boundary? A boundary is a metaphorical wall between you and a situation, an activity, a person, etc. A boundary, a simple example could be, I don't talk about personal challenges with Carol. Maybe Carol is a gossip. Maybe the last time you were honest with her, she shamed you. Maybe the last time you shared something you cared about, she stepped all over it. So instead of telling yourself, I just need to be braver and fight through my feelings of sharing my life with Carol, you draw a boundary. And the boundary could be, I don't talk about personal challenges with Carol. Boundary. A boundary could be, I don't read one-star reviews. That's one of mine. I used to think I needed to be braver about my reviews on Amazon. Like I needed to toughen up and be able to deal with all that negative criticism. I just need thicker skin. But then I heard one of my favorite business heroes say that he doesn't read his reviews on Amazon. And this light bulb went off in my head. I thought, wait a second. Are you saying that I don't, I don't have to do that? I can just choose not to do that? Whoa, that changed my writing career. I set a boundary. We often don't think about boundaries and bravery in the same sentence, but we should. I think we should always ask this question. Do I need bravery or a boundary? This isn't the easiest thing to figure out. It's not. That's why I saved into our fourth tool. This one takes a little bit of time, but it can be a really helpful tool if you actually work at it. Finances, for instance. Finances stress me out. It's probably related to my paperwork phobia. I just find money and finances stressful. I feel this pressure to become an expert at finances, to get all my ducks in a row, to know where every single penny is going. Like, I got to really figure it out. Now, I could do that, or I could just set a new boundary. Here's my boundary. I work with an amazing financial planner. I'm involved in my finances. I'm deliberate. I don't ostrich and, like, hide from them. But I also recognize I'm not an expert. I'm going to hire an expert to help me manage them. I don't do my own taxes. With a small business, they're really complicated. And maybe I could figure them all out with hours and hours of effort, or I could just hire a CPA. That's a boundary for me. A CPA does my taxes. So I just want you to think about that question. Do I need bravery or a boundary right now? I'm not afraid of my one-star reviews per se. I just know they don't offer me any value. 
They spin me out. They take valuable time away from the rest of my day. The ROI on reading one-star reviews isn't worth it. So I don't. I have a boundary. Maybe you don't need to drum up this massive amount of bravery. Maybe you just need a few extra boundaries. Carol sucks. And the sooner you admit that, the sooner you can spend your time and energy on finding a better friend, you set a boundary. Those are the four tools I think you need in your bravery toolbox. People, reps, truth, and boundaries. Now, they won't be the only ones. Those are just the first four. But again, I hope it changes how you think about bravery. That's the goal of this whole episode is to convince all of us that bravery is something we can work on and grow and add to and expand. Next week in what I would say is the stunning conclusion to this miniseries, we're going to talk about soundtracks that make it easier to be brave. I'm going to give you some specific soundtracks that make it so much easier to be brave. Thank you so much for listening today. We'll put all the links in the show notes as always. And thank you for reviewing my podcast. Here's one that I recently saw from Kim Casillas. It was short, but I really loved what she said. She said, he loosens you up with humor and then he drops a truth bomb that changes everything. Thank you so much for saying that, Kim. That's one of my favorite things to do is communicate with humor. There's a, an idea that Chris Rock, the comedian, shared years ago that said, there's some things people won't listen to unless they're laughing at the same time. And that's always stuck with me of how can I share ideas using humor as a vehicle? So thank you so much for writing that in review. Please make sure you subscribe or follow and keep those reviews coming. I'll see you next week. And remember, all it takes is a goal. And don't forget to pick up your copy of The Finished Calendar, brand new, massive, beautiful, double-sided, vertically or horizontally, paper or dry erase at finishcalendar.com. Once again, that's finishcalendar.com. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the All It Takes is a Goal podcast and to get access to today's show notes and exclusive content from John Acuff, visit acuff.me slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast.